welcome back to the Sideline Live podcast. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear from you. On episode 55, I am delighted to be joined by Irish Olympian and 800 metre athlete Nadia Power. On this episode, we discuss her career, developing a good support network, the Olympics, dealing with setbacks and challenges, and so much more. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with Nadia, so I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi Nadia, thanks a million for joining me on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Before we get into everything, would you mind giving a bit of an intro to the listeners who might not know who you are? So my name's Nadia Power. I compete in athletics, mainly the 800 metres, um, but also the 1500 metres. So I guess that would be considered a middle distance athlete. And um, I'm a 2020 Olympian and also a DCU marketing student. Brilliant. So kind of going back to underage growing up, do you remember like this moment where you were like, I want to run for Ireland, I want to go to the Olympics? Um, I think very early for me. I definitely think I would have watched, I think Beijing, it would have been so 2008 Olympics and it definitely would have stuck in my head then at that point that I wanted to run. And I think in athletics world, um, the Olympics is just, you think of the pinnacle the whole time. So it's always kind of brought up as, as a benchmark of, of, of being really good, even from a really young age. It's kind of all you understand as the top level. You don't understand like kind of professionals or contracts or world championships that's the only thing that makes sense to I guess a 10 year old or so so um yeah definitely I'd say watching the the Beijing Olympics and was there a particular favorite athlete athlete or role model you had growing up um I wouldn't say one in particular I definitely enjoyed watching Usain Bolt a lot at that Olympics he stood out to me um I would have slightly missed I guess Sonia's time um, when she was competing really competitively but my mom um, loved following her and always told me about her and then as you grow up competing in Ireland her name is constantly brought up and I've been lucky enough to like meet her and spend time with her and stuff so she's definitely someone we all look up to and I think Dervla work as well was definitely one I would have watched and really enjoyed so she's great too. There was a great picture on Twitter a little while ago I think it was the coming to Munskull uh, primary school running team growing up were you always kind of one of the fastest in your in your school in your class yeah I was actually and that was why my mom put me into athletics in the first place I was always really into um camogie and GAA so I played um for St Jude's and in that photo it's actually me and Hannah Hegarty I know you've had her as a guest as well um so we were the two fastest in the class (laughs) and faster than all the boys so I guess we we kind (laughs) of turned out to uh, to still stay involved in sport I guess the most out of anyone so um it was maybe obvious from an early age he was he was going to stick with the sport but um yeah like no I've just always been involved and always loved it were you slagging all the lads saying you're faster than them <laughs> I don't know if I was slagging them but I'm sure I let it be now <laughs> <laughs> and I actually Hannah sent in a question um she wanted to know do you think camogie helped or hindered your athletics career um god that's actually a really tough one I I couldn't say it hindered it um I think do you know what I wouldn't even say directly help my life's career but I think it's a positive experience for um someone who's younger to be involved in a number of sports so I think just the social aspect of camogie and knowing there's more to athletic there's more kind of sports outside athletics and teamwork and and that kind of thing was really positive for me growing up and then Mm -hmm. helped how I stuck with athletics and kind of 
was able to um, not focus on it too much until I was maybe 16, 17, because I think if I didn't play Camogie, I would have maybe got too obsessed with athletics and too focused on it and put too much pressure on myself at a really early age. Okay, that's really interesting. And do you think kind of having different friend groups, like I play different sports and I have different friend groups from school and, and primary school, do you think that kind of helped as well that you could have, as you said, that social outlet from different sports? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I still like that now. I have friends in running, but they're such good friends at this stage that I, when I meet them, I barely even talk about running. So I think that's a positive thing as well. And then I also, um, yeah, have a lot of friends involved in GA, and I just think think it's good to be surrounded with different people and hear about different sports. And then also good to have friends who aren't involved in any sport too. Yeah, exactly. So you decided around sixteen or seventeen to focus on athletics. Yeah. Um, I think it was after under 16 I quit I was starting to qualify for internationals at kind of um, school schools level so that would be like an international where you run against England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales so at the time it was a really big deal um, for me to qualify for them and I just wanted to focus a bit more on, on those competitions and I was just finding it was kind of an increased injury risk as well to be playing Camogie too. Do you find it was that the kind of the stage like you went I know you went to the States for a couple of months for college is that kind of the, the, the stage that you kind of think about going abroad and the idea is kind of planted and maybe coaches start reaching out to you? Um, I guess it would have been a little bit later. So I would have quit Camogie maybe when I was coming into fourth year, I'd say. And then, yeah, probably the next year I'm starting to think about university. My old coach um, from Temple Oak Athletics Club, where I used to run for, he had a son who was a college coach in America. So he always talked about that and the benefits of America. And he was like a big advocate for that. So I think that seed was planted in my head, like from a really, really early stage, maybe from like 12 or so. I almost didn't know what I wanted to do after school, except go on a scholarship to America. So I think... um. Yeah, I had that in my head and then I ran well in fifth year at like basically the exact right time to get recruited by good schools. So then they start reaching out to you and then you get to go on a visit and, and, and then make a choice. Okay, and what's that like, just in, if there's any younger athletes listening that want to go to the States, that kind of visiting and having the contact and even, I know there's like a recruitment process process that has a lot of stages with it. Yeah, it's a little bit overwhelming, to be honest. Um, there's endless options really in America, because even if you're not performing to like a top, top level, there's division two schools, there's private colleges, like there's really a lot of options for any Irish athlete that wants to go and they seem to love to have Irish athletes. So um it's overwhelming because I remember they'd like message me on Facebook, which, you know, you think, oh, I'm getting a scholarship. It would be such a formal thing. No, like you have a coach like messaging you on Facebook. I'd get so many messages like come to Florida, come to Mississippi, come to Michigan. And they're just like selling the school to you. So it's like a lot as a 17 year old to to deal with. So obviously my mom really helped there. And like she'd be like looking up if the schools were good. And she was probably more concerned if they're like academically good than good at running and then eventually narrowed it down had some calls and then you're allowed to go on visits it's actually really okay. cool they pay they pay for your visit so like I got like a free trip to America and um, I had other athletes as well and um, to visit schools so I went to visit um University of Providence so there's um an Irish coach there Ray Tracy so I went there first with two other Irish athletes then I went on to Iona in New York um, and then I went on to the University of Virginia. So I kind of had 
could see them and you spend like two days with the team and they kind of bring you through their lifestyle and show you kind of what life would be like as an athlete there so um did that and I chose University of Virginia and then went there the following year. What stood out with the University of Virginia out of interest? I was really interested in just like having as much of an American college experience as possible. Like it was a little bit um, probably superficial. <laughs> like I just loved <laughs> that they had the big facilities, the amazing stadiums and um, the campus was so nice. The weather seemed really nice versus Providence and Iona were like um, kind of private colleges. So they're way smaller. So they would have only had like maybe a couple of thousand students and the campus okay. was way smaller. They didn't have these massive facilities and basically didn't have as much money and um, probably as Virginia did because those kind of big state schools get so much money from um the football and the basketball teams that oh, yeah. then the athletics team ends up having like more budget so I think it was literally just the campus and Virginia was really like scenic place really nice places to run and I really liked the girls there so that's why I ended up going there. And what's it like going from Ireland to the big campus? And I'm sure the athletics department and all the the facilities and the gym are just out of this world. Yeah, it was exciting, but definitely overwhelming. Um, Just really different. I think I got a culture shock, definitely. And I struggled with that a little bit. It was just, I just found like the people really different and like the humour really different. And it just made me like really miss my friends at home and my family. Um, and I didn't think I would struggle with that at all. So I was kind of surprised. Um, so I struggled with that. And then I just kind of didn't like the training. It was it just very like intense, the culture of training there. And it was like very much we'll squeeze whatever we have out of ourselves for the next four years and then be yeah. done with running 22. And that seems to be how it goes, honestly, for like a big proportion of college athletes, only like a small percentage make it through and become professional athletes. A lot of people train so seriously during college and then quit it at like as soon as they graduate. And I just didn't want that to be me at all. I didn't really like that. I could see everyone getting injured and that type of thing. So I wasn't that happy and I reached out to my coach and uh, um, I knew him locally and I knew he was in DCU. So I had a place um, kind of saved for the following year. So I reached out to him and said, look, I don't think I'm going to be here for four years. I think I'll just be here for a year. And then he was like, okay, that's fine. See you next September. So this would have been Christmas at this point. And then at Christmas, two of us from the other girls from the UK had like a big falling out with the head coach because we flew back just because of flights and ticket costs and stuff like that. We flew back two days later than he wanted us back and we missed like a team dinner and a training run. And he just like, went crazy at us and suspended us and like reduced my scholarship and just was completely unreasonable about the situation and the two of us just left actually as a result which he definitely then regretted treating us like that because he definitely didn't think we would react like that but I really was unhappy before that and already I guess had reached out at home and said I don't think I'll stay here. And I knew I had a coach lined up for when I was home and I knew I'd been offered loads of other scholarships. So I was like, why would I stay here if I'm unhappy and being treated Mm -hmm. badly and now having to pay to be here as well because he reduced my scholarship. So I ended up leaving, I'd say like two weeks after I returned after Christmas. So it was a bit of a mess, to be honest, but (laughs) definitely a good decision overall, but not how I saw my American college dream that I kind of was thinking about since I was about 12 years old go. (laughs) 
yeah yeah I know what you mean and kind of nearly like being able to kind of see maybe the four years won't suit me but you actually held a place in DCU what you deferred the place after the CAO was it yeah I did that and that was a very smart decision in hindsight so um I have that what was it like then coming home and you already lined up a coach you had your college course I presume it was obviously a really good move for you how did you find kind of coming back back home and training in DCU yeah, there was definitely a bit of a feeling of failure coming home and everyone I knew knew I was in America and I kind of meet people from school who wouldn't kind of have known the whole story. And I'd be asked, oh, are you not in America? And everyone just assumed because oh, no. it, it was a scholarship. It was amazing. And I even find like up to, I'd say, two and a half years after people would be like, oh, how's the scholarship in America? And I'm like, I'm literally been home two years. <laughs> 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 so, yeah so it was tough kind of answering all those questions and going through the whole story again and yeah it was a bit of a crap feeling but um I think it was great I moved coach to end it when I came home because it just gave me like a new sense of like purpose and a new excitement um for for kind of my next few years at running and even though it was like a massive change in direction I knew DCU was like a really good place to to go for athletics so um it wasn't that bad just despite all the kind of uh, the questions <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. and how do you find like what's your weekly schedule of training um even at the moment I know it might have even differed from coming back to DCU um yeah it's definitely more now than it was then but it was still a lot I at the moment most weeks would train twice a day on Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and then I have Friday off and then I train on Saturday morning and Sunday morning and that ranges from like um training sessions to just like a short easy run to gym sessions to sprint sessions so we just kind of mix everything there but it's yeah it's super busy so it is quite hard with college and how do you find like even like when you said there are double days like and even training on the weekend I know you Friday off but even mentally how do you find kind of uh, keeping it fun and keeping it challenging for yourself um I don't struggle too much with that to be honest I'm a very like internally motivated person okay like a lot to be honest <laughs> so I'm probably pushing my coaches the whole time I would say okay. more so than them pushing me I'm always like asking for more why are we doing this or can we do that next time where would this make me better so I don't actually struggle with training that often because I am just really driven and I really enjoy like just getting really stuck into training as well so um yeah it's a bit of an annoying answer but yes I don't struggle and where do you think that motivation comes from I've no idea really um because like my parents weren't really involved in like sport very seriously I think it's just I have like big ambitions for athletics and I know there's a lot of people working very hard around the world so there's that I have to compete with so I just there's no room to not to not kind of be that ambitious and that focused yeah I know what you mean um you know in third year you're in final year now you split it but in third year you actually had a full-time placement as well as training and all the races and just everything it sounds like madness yeah that year was really really tough for me um and yeah I struggled a lot with that I kind of realized if I want to train and compete at a high level like a full-time job just isn't doable and yeah most most now some somehow manage it but for me I found it really hard that year 
Um, but then COVID came along and we were able to work from home. And then I guess all my races were cancelled too. So I even found like working from home and just without the commute time and stuff like that, it was kind of easier to train. And how did you find training at home? I think you had a couple of videos up in your garden doing deadlifts and squats and loads of stuff. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. It wasn't ideal. It's not what I wanted, but I found it like during COVID, especially like really deep into it when we had no idea what was coming next the whole time or when things would be back. It was kind of a, a high point of each day and something to do and something to aim at. So I didn't yeah. I didn't find it too hard at all. Um, I think I had the idea I'll get some really good training in now and then I'll get an advantage on, you know, all of my competitors. But yeah to be honest everyone had the exact same idea in athletics anyway and just the results since COVID have been incredible so I don't think I got a one-up on anyone to be honest because everyone seemed to take that same approach to work even harder in that time. Yeah yeah there was loads of stories up of um, everyone like all the Olympians that I follow but do you think that kind of that success that we've seen as you said there that's just down to like not having to peak in the middle of a season for a race and just having that period of time to train and just really work on yourself? Yeah, I think so. I think it was like um a time where you could still do all your work without without the reduced pressure of like a competition just around the corner. So everyone kind of maybe got a longer uninterrupted training block. And also maybe it just helped people rediscover like the simplicity of why they enjoy their sport because you can kind of forget why you're doing it sometimes because you're just thinking about your goals and the next race the whole time and then I I found anyway I just was like oh I actually really just enjoy this and enjoy training and enjoy working hard so I think maybe other people have that effect too okay yeah um I was actually listening to Dina Asher Smith before and she was kind of talking about I think it was her now she was talking about um social media and kind of having other athletes uh, let's say on Instagram and sure everyone puts up what they're doing best on Instagram their PBs or their their lifts how do you find kind of watching other athletes on Instagram is that something you try shy away from you don't look at your competitors or is it something you just embrace um it's a tough one I definitely like struggle with it a little bit and find I do automatically um kind of go into comparing myself or have in the past anyway um even just like when you see people have a kind of better training set up than you and stuff like that sometimes you can kind of go on a on a, on a rabbit into a rabbit hole with that so I think yeah just kind of catching myself when I'm comparing comparing myself and and just reminding myself like it's just social media everyone's just showing their good days or they're not mm. you know you don't know the full story is is kind of helpful but I definitely like I listened to that podcast as well and I completely thought Dina had like a great approach to it you seem to have a really good support network around you. You mentioned before, Jesse Barr, your coach, Enda, Donny. Like, if there's anyone listening, how can they approach building that support network around them as an athlete? Yeah, I think one thing about that is you have to do it yourself. I think some people, like, maybe think it's going to come to them or, you know, I'll get to this level and I'll have people reaching out to me or whatever. I very much, like do you think I did a good job at actually just picking the people I wanted and asking them and making sure they like I see them often and that type of thing so I'm I'm really happy with like the people I work with and you know they're yeah they've just given me great buy-in but I also like I did have to take the time to like individually you know like and it came to me but you know I would have went to end if I wasn't happy with him or whatever so like you know he's one side then 
me and Doni started working together and I make sure Doni and Enda then speak, even though they have no connection outside of that. I, I make sure that them two are on the same page with, uh, you know, with each other. And then like my massage therapist, Tom is so good as well. And like, I put him in touch with Doni. So like, he knows, you know, anything that's bothering me uh, or that's tight, like Doni is then working at. So they're in touch, even though they wouldn't have known each other outside of that. And then I work with Jessie as well, Jessie Barr for sports psychology. And then she would then be in touch with Enda. So as I said, I can be a bit of a pushy athlete. So yeah, you have to create that team like around you. And, you know, they're also willing to work work with each other and they love it but you do have to create that yourself as an athlete I think and not just wait for it to come to come to you mm-hmm. do you do you do massage therapy what else would you do for like recovery and kind of injury management um so I get a massage twice a week which yeah seems a lot but um I find yeah prevention is better than than cure in that way and then Doni is my strength and conditioning coach. Um, he also works with me on like kind of, um, I guess, athletic development overall. So like my running form and, and like and that type of thing. But he's also a physio. So that's super helpful. So, you know, if I'm going into him for a gym session and like my hamstring is tight beforehand, I'll just be like, can we work on that as well in the gym? So that's been great to have him have that knowledge base as well. And then outside of that, I stretch and do rehab exercises like pretty much before and after for like just around 10 minutes or so every time I I run okay very good is there any specific area that you do mobility and stretching wise or just kind of a a all body kind of thing um it's just whatever I need at the time um my calves have been kind of taken a hit the last while as we go into winter and have more volume so mostly concentrate on them um but yeah it's just kind of whatever I need at the time Mm-hmm. so 2021 uh, you had a brilliant start uh, in Vienna you broke the record I think it lasted now four days but you did break the record what was it like going into those races after Covid and after for so long as you said you didn't know what was going to happen being able to have that opportunity to race again yeah it was really exciting but it was a really stressful season as well because I was kind of waiting to get into a lot of those races Okay, as the season on and I kind of didn't know where I was going next so it was a very challenging season outside of the track I think from the outside it looked like I was doing great and I was in all these big races and breaking records and it was brilliant but it, the day-to-day was really tough okay. um, because kind of getting into races that I probably wasn't on paper as good as the people beforehand so I had to kind of just wait to see if I could get a place or last minute drop out in a lot of those races so it was kind of waiting in one country to see if I was in a race in four days and then suddenly flying there and then navigating the COVID um, kind of the rules and the tests and all the documentation and stuff so yeah it was super stressful but I think I like gained a lot of independence and then obviously like I was still able to perform most of the time um, last season uh, or sorry indoor season so I was like proud of that but I think everything just caught up with me at um European indoors and I felt like kind of flat for the semi-final and then I actually got like a really bad head cold like straight after and I oh, tend sugar. to get at the end of seasons from being run down I tend to get like sick like the second the race finishes so yeah that kind of told me that the, the season was a little bit too much but the racing was great and getting to you know experience those bigger races and be competitive there was really exciting yeah I even forgot about let's say the quarantining and the COVID test that's obviously like that was a huge part I'd say of the season in like earlier this year yeah it it was and I went 
just abroad for a training camp in Portugal for two weeks and I thought I'd be home and thought I would like have races sorted for the whole month and I just <laughs> ended up not being able to come home between the races and the training camp and oh walking in hotels the whole time to stay because Ireland seemed to have kind of stricter uh, quarantine rules than maybe some of the other European countries so I ended up just like bouncing from country to country rather than returning home mm-hmm. so I ended up being away for six weeks rather than two weeks okay. so it was a little bit yeah it was a little bit stressful I just hope it doesn't get that bad again with COVID yeah fingers crossed uh, you mentioned that um that training camp I, I know you went with the I think that's the one you talked about on off the ball with Louis Heher the Swiss co- the Swiss coach and you spoke about yeah. the importance of that camp for you individually to compete and train with some of the girls that let's say you the position you want to be in yeah that was definitely important for me I needed to like kind of take some people off a pedestal who have like broken two or been to the Olympics and just kind of see that they were normal and and that type of thing because like yeah I was just training in college Mm -hmm. and no one's near that good in in college you know what I mean and like no one's at all the world championships European championships Olympics at all you know so you kind of think people that are at those competitions are just so much better than you and they must be super different and how would I relate to something like that so just kind of seeing their normal is like super important I think yeah I loved the method you did with Jesse Barr about kind of having your goal and then writing underneath the reasons why you can achieve your goal and kind of writing down well I can I can run this this time here I've broken this PB I can whatever gym or whatever it is like how important is that for an athlete to kind of have that self-belief and confidence yeah I think it's really important and and Jesse like really simplified it for me even just like overall maybe when we started working together at an early stage we would have talked about the Olympics and I just thought the Olympics was just the most big crazy thing ever and she just simplified it as well do you think you can run to a one next year and I was like yes she was like yeah the Olympics is just a race you need to run to a one to qualify for and I was like oh right okay so (laughs) just simplifying stuff like that is really helpful is there any other kind of um, techniques that she's given you that you find really helpful, let's say, in the mental preparation before a race? Um, I think we kind of change what we're doing a lot as we go from race to race because every race have different challenges and goals. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think now. I guess sometimes I'd write out stuff on a piece of paper, like a few key messages for that particular race okay. and things I need to remember. And um, so I'll discuss them with her and then... I will just like read them in the warm up. So I okay. just kind of simplify the task of the race. Okay, very good. Are you superstitious at all before a race? Do you have any like specific thing you do? No, I try to be very almost too far the opposite way of that because I learned okay. from just like traveling that so much is out of your control and things can be really messy and just a different challenge pops up in every race and meet and things are always different. So you can't kind of be too obsessed with one particular step before a race or I have to eat this or I have to wear that like things can just go wrong and you need to be able to adapt and still perform so um, I try to really avoid being superstitious in any way. After mentioning that goal to Jesse I suppose going to the Olympics what was it like actually qualifying and getting to go to Tokyo? Um, Yeah it was yeah it was great really yeah I guess it's been something I've dreamed of since yeah I started running basically so it's 
amazing to have done it and I'm still kind of looking back like oh wow that actually happened so yeah it's it's great but it's it's almost a, a bit of a, a mixed feeling because you kind of just afterwards you're like oh <laughs> it was great but life goes on it's fine things are still the same I just had put it on such a pedestal that like I just thought you know once everything yeah. will be okay after I'm, a, I'm an Olympian like my life would be so different just because I'll be so happy all the time and yeah like it's not like that at all it's really it's just like a cool thing you did and it's a great achievement but it doesn't like change that much okay what was it like going over with the Irish team and being in like I I know the travel was probably quite long and quite difficult with COVID but even being in the athlete village I know you, you had a, a, a training camp before you actually went to the Olympic village as well yeah um it was super exciting and I'm such good friends with so many people that were on the team and it was like our first time for a lot of us so it was just definitely like a really positive great atmosphere and the camp before was was really good like it was really well set up by the Olympic Council and we were staying in this amazing place and the staff were so nice but um I actually got sick the week oh, no. before camp so yeah that was like super challenging and obviously it's like the last thing you want yeah, yeah. I guess that was a big downer for me and then my race went quite badly then because I think whatever it was still in my system so yeah it's, it's definitely mixed emotions because it was an amazing experience and I, I think like despite having no crowds it was like definitely a big deal it felt like the the atmosphere and everything but um just those challenges for me are just kind of frustrating ones yeah absolutely Do you, was it the buzz in the kind of the athlete village that you kind of even though there was no like um, as you said fans and stadium that kind of did kind of make you realize well this is really the olympics or was it really like the the fans didn't really make much of a difference not being there um i guess i have n- nothing to compare it to a little bit so i think it'd be very different if you were like an athlete who was at london or something okay. and that was meant to be so amazing so i have nothing to compare it to so for me it felt great even though the stadium was empty it was just kind of i would say even like how the team Ireland staff made us feel and how the people at home were so excited for us and people in my neighborhood and my friends and everything and just the team like it was kind of that general excitement more so even than the village I would say that just made it seem like just a really big deal and that it was the Olympics and then obviously yeah it was super cool just walking around the Olympic village and kind of pinching yourself saying oh I'm actually here um I kind of made it like that but obviously I'm sure it would have been taken to a whole new level if if fans were involved Mm-hmm. I um had a good there was a TED talk from Dean Asher Smith I know I mentioned her earlier on but uh, she kind of had an interesting um debate that she would find uh, more motivation let's say from a setback rather than success is that something that you find that a setback kind of drives you even more or does success play a part as well I would actually say success drives me more than a setback um which is probably like interesting I would say yeah um because as I was kind of saying earlier, I don't struggle too much with like motivation. Mm-hmm. But I think when I experience success, it kind of like is telling, it's like telling myself that, you know, all the hard work pays off and I enjoy that best a lot. So it kind of is, yeah, re- like reinstating it into myself that it's it's worth it to, to do all the hard work. So yeah, it's probably an unusual way of looking at it. 
yeah no that makes sense from from your sense of drive and motivation and I think you kind of mentioned that before with the bronze medal in the under 23 Europeans you were kind of saying right I'm not just here to kind of make a time I'm here to medal and do you know what I'm I'm really talented and I just need to back myself a bit yeah I think that's a perfect example of of that if I had went to that championships and came sixth or fifth I would have came home and said how will I ever be one of those people that medals like how how will I be like that that will never happen to me because I know from all my previous international championships that's how I came home I came home like oh that was really cool I achieved my goal of running for Ireland but I don't know how I'll become one of those medalists and I didn't even like see them as motivation I more just was like oh that will never be me whereas like winning that medal that time was like a click in my head like oh wait that can be me and it can happen to me so I think yeah that was completely a good example of success just like being an even bigger like motivating force do you have I've asked a couple of guests this question but do you have a particular definition of success (sighs) it's hard and running It, it like every race is different I guess um so I can't even like say one now because even like <laughs> I could start the season and say, oh, success this season would be to run like, let's say, for example, 201. But then mm-hmm. if I run one in an early race, I'll just completely forget that I set that bar for myself and say, well, I want to break two minutes now. And then mm-hmm. the season becomes not a success if I didn't break two minutes, even though at the start, like I would have considered you know, running to a one a success. Yeah. So I think um I think overall for me, I'm trying to just simplify a little bit as kind of finishing the CZ or sorry, finishing the season happy, uh, happy with myself. Very good. Uh, as an Irish athlete, and I've heard you speak about this before, you've you've brilliant support from the likes of Adidas, Toyota, um, Max Sport and a couple of other people I probably didn't mention there, but what's it, how important is it um to have that financial support and backing from brands like that let's say because athletics isn't one of the big three you know rugby ga and soccer oh like it's just a complete game changer and like literally this year i'm just i'm so happy like to have those sponsors like literally still painting myself but i have i have those four on board and like it means i can just pursue this without having to have a part-time job or worrying about money as much you know like it's just a game changer if I didn't yeah I'd have to be like how can I run while having a part-time job so um yeah complete game changer it's it's a little bit difficult in athletics just because you're not a team so maybe some companies aren't um like as interested kind of as as supporting but I'm just yeah I'm super lucky and it just kind of for me means after college I can I'm not panicking um about oh I need to get a job I I'm just going to and give the running thing a go and I'm, I'm yeah I'm just privileged to be in that position. How do you balance the kind of PR side and social media side uh, of things and posts and kind of sponsor posts is it kind of overwhelming when you've got so much else going on or is it just again just part of the part of the part of being an athlete? Um, It can be a little bit overwhelming at times but like social media to me is overall being really positive. Like people are so supportive to me about athletics and I just, yeah, I just like it in that way. Like I haven't luckily really got too much negativity at all. And so I just mm-hmm. kind of try and just remind myself constantly that, you know, it's, 
it's positive and people like hearing my story and and that type of thing so I try not to um yeah just get too overwhelmed in in that way and also you know as we said with sponsorship it's like it's it's a way I can sustain this as as of as my job so you know I want to like do a good job for my sponsors and make sure I'm promoting their brands um so yeah I try not to get like too overwhelmed with it it can be busy but um I think yeah it's super positive overall how do you find if let's say a younger athlete sends you a message or comes up to you let's say you're training or or at a race and they're kind of like oh like I look up to you how do you find being like a role model now whereas when you were younger you would have looked up to like the names you mentioned earlier yeah it's so nice um I think I still have a bit of imposter syndrome and then I can be I can be quite hard on myself as well so sometimes like someone's coming up to me and like oh you inspired me so much and then I'm thinking like oh well it's not the same as me being inspired by Sonia sure she has like an Olympic silver medal I just made it there why are they inspired by me and I know that's silly so I guess a lot of the time I'm kind of laughing at people almost <laughs> in my head being inspired by me or like kind of looking up to me I, I'm still kind of have an imposter syndrome with it and don't know how to yeah. react so I'm just be friendly to everyone um but yeah it's super sweet like even just like people in my old club like kids coming up to me and stuff and I think sometimes something that stands out to me is like I had a little boy come up to me last week and he was just so cute and he wanted a picture and he was in my old athletics club and um before even I've had like messages off like I remember I got messages off like a 14 year old boy saying like I inspire him so much and I think they meant so much to me because I thought it kind of shows like the whole see her be her in 20 by 20 is like kicking into action because I really almost was shocked that it was a boy if that makes sense yeah, because you I know, know they you have other footballers the GA players to look up to and even male athletes so it was almost like, super surprising so that kind of like I don't know that stood out to me even more but it's great it's great and it's obviously it reminds you why you do it that's cool right I'm going to move on actually before I move on to sideline seven um, looking towards the future um, I suppose the goal is kind of to go professionally and what sort of lessons have you learned from this year that you're going to bring forward uh, into the next couple of years of your career um yeah a lot this year <laughs> like so much I think a big one was um you know the Olympics was not the ultimate like I've made it moment that I thought it would be maybe so okay think um that's been a bit of a kind of switch in my mindset a little bit um so that's kind of a big lesson and I think overall I put so much pressure on myself this year so my goal really next year is to enjoy it a little bit more um and kind of yeah take the pressure off because it was it was a very intense year so yeah I think enjoy it more is kind of the biggest takeaway from this year Mm -hmm. So the sideline seven, it's the same seven questions at the end of every episode. Uh, question one, what is your favourite quote? Yeah, so I struggled with this one a little bit because I, I always change my favourite quote. Like, And I love like listening to podcasts and writing stuff down. So I have a different one nearly every week. But um, <laughs> my one from this week is uh, Johnny Wilkinson. Um, I don't know if you've listened to that podcast, the High Performance yeah, Podcast. I'm actually him. listening back in segments because it's so good. Okay, well, his is my favourite. I've listened to it about seven times, I'd say, and I've written <laughs> loads of notes from it and everything, and I've forced other people to listen to it. But 
some of the stuff he says isn't like very quotable but anyway this is one that I liked um if you have an idea of what your best is it's not your best it's just your next limit yeah I love that one yeah but listen to the whole podcast because this kind of I would say almost better messages than that in it but um yeah it's it's just so good I'll probably listen to it again soon now (laughs) (laughs) after this you're just gonna go put it on (laughs) yeah yeah I need to just put it every few months I love it so much (laughs) is there any other particular podcast that you'd recommend for any of the listeners um yeah my big favorites definitely um would be that one the high performance podcast and then I also like the clean sport collective it probably now is a little bit more for kind of specific running fans I would say but um the whole basis is about they just interview some top athletes around the world and then but always bring it back to like clean sport and like discuss kind of topics on that and like recent doping cases and that type of thing so it's definitely like educated me a lot on and um, on that side of sport okay that's that's really interesting question two best sporting event you've been to yeah I guess that one's easy enough I have to say the Olympics I can't say anything else apart from that I've never been to um any other big athletics event really outside of Ireland are the ones I've raced at so the Olympics um hands down even though there is no fans yeah um question three biggest setback or challenge so far in your career I would definitely say America coming home from America not how I saw (laughs) my college my college career going home home after four months so just kind of completely resetting and coming up with new goals and kind of uh, a new way of approaching athletics and and the next few years was was definitely challenging uh, kind of on the flip side then a bit more positive uh, your biggest achievement on or off the track I would say my biggest achievement is becoming an Olympian I guess yeah did you get the tattoo I did get the tattoo. Yeah, unfortunately, all my achievements are probably on the track. But um, yeah, I did get the tattoo. I that's one I definitely thought about for a long time before. So, um, even though I kind of had mi- mixed experiences with the Olympics, which was kind of getting sick and being disappointed with my, with my performance, I like said to myself, "This tattoo isn't for me." In the last month, who's disappointed with the race? This tattoo is for like me for years and years and years who just dreamt of going to the Olympics. That's class. Um, advice your 18 year old self I would say similar to that Johnny Wilkinson quote like just don't set limits on yourself uh, dream dinner guest and why I think Usain Bolt I just think he'd be a really fun time and <laughs> obviously he's a pretty good performer so you could get really good um, inspiration off him there too but I think he'd be a really fun time too so definitely him is there anything in particular you'd, you'd think of asking him or just having a chat with him? I'd ask him to like tell me how he's so chilled out and relaxed and I just need to learn have fun with it a little bit more. I know it's probably his personality but that would be the biggest side I would want to get from him. Um, Just, just how to chill out and enjoy it a little bit more. Very good. Uh, final question before I let you go. If your life was a book, what chapter would this be called? This was a really tough question, but for some reason this sprung to mind. Um, I would say just arrived at base camp because I like to think of me getting to the Olympics as getting to this this new level um, of athletics. So kind of the base camp of Everest, but 
once I got there it was I'm realizing there's still a long way to go to be one of the best in the world and it's only going to get tougher after this kind of to make to make my mark so um yeah we're just just at a, at a new stage now and with a long way to go brilliant Nadia thanks so much for your time I really enjoyed that I just want to wish you the very best of luck uh, on and off the track moving forward and thanks again for coming on thank you A massive thank you to Nadia for joining me today. I just want to wish her the very best of luck moving forward and I'll be sure to leave all of her social media links in the description box below. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and did enjoy the episode, I'd really appreciate if you leave a rating and a review as it does help the show grow. If you're looking for more content, be sure to check out the website thesidelinelive.com for more and subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you in the next one.